What's up everyone, it's Nia from Blockthrough, the market leader in adblock revenue recovery, and you're listening to Slice of AdTech. Maximizing revenue is the name of the advertising game for publishers. So on this show, I chat with ad tech industry experts to explore the ideas, strategies, and revenue-making opportunities that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can start doing the same. Now, let's kick things off. Today, I'm speaking with Mark McEachran from Yieldmo. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you join us today. So let's jump right into it. How did you get started in ad tech? I got started even before finishing college. Uh, I was working for Frank Adante of Rubicon Magnite fame mm-hmm. uh, at a little company called Starting Point in 1997. Basically, we operated out of a little closet at the site of this ad industry office. And those were the days when you could run the third most popular website on a couple of servers right. uh, with a T1 line into your office. There we were trying to write little bits of ad serving code and email blast software mm-hmm. <laughs> in, inside this tiny, tiny little, little office. And then I went ahead and uh, like about a year later, I think, circled back, boomerang back to Frank. Obviously mm-hmm. things change and move around in careers. Uh, I went away for a while, came back and worked at a, a company called Adnet Strategies, which later became L90. And that was the first real ad tech company I had worked for. Mm-hmm. It was one of those crazy rides, dot-com boom, worked there from 1998 until early 2002 and rode the wave and the bubble burst, you know, in and out of ad tech, continued on, really got got my feet under me, I think, when I started working at, at Rubicon mm-hmm. and was the little product manager in the back that said, hey, we should check out this real-time bidding thing I've been hearing about. That ended up becoming my baby. I built and ran one of the first big SSPs in the industry very competitive space at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, the platform that we built at that time is still the core platform at Magnite. Mm-hmm. So long may she live. <laughs> <laughs> so you're part of like the OG team when it comes to programmatic advertising then? Yes. As as illustrious as that is at industry cocktail parties, <laughs> using as that is when I go home. <laughs> okay. Tell me about a typical work day. What does that look like for you? Every morning, First meeting we have is to review yesterday's data that went across the exchange of yield. We look at Mm -hmm. all the data, talk about all the releases that went out the day before, anything that's come up, just basically getting level set for the day, making sure that there's no gotchas, no emergencies, no fire drills. In most cases, there are not. And we get (laughs) moving on with working on, working on future state of the, of the product. I spend a lot of time with engineers, um, spend a lot of time with the supply side and demand side reps inside the system. And then, you know, have usually one or two meetings during the week with outside customers mm-hmm. and, then, and then a few others with, with vendors that we have and, and potential vendors that we want to partner with. Mm-hmm. So just to bring it back a little more, can you explain to me and the audience a little bit more about Yieldmo? Like, what do you guys do? What's your special sauce? <laughs> yeah. So we are what we're calling the smarter exchange. You know, typical ad exchange, SSP, they focus on volume. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where they can come into a market and they, they're just, they're huge. Everybody's connected. They do the big, the big plumbing, move the big water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say dumb pipes because they do have some intelligence because I've built some of those systems. But Yieldmo really prides itself and really the, the best put forward we put is, is having a smart exchange. Uh, and that, what that means is that we do a lot of, of curation of inventory around deals and PMPs. 
not every impression is is going to be valuable to a PMP and whether or not it qualifies. So it may qualify on paper, like the gross, like it's targeted at this, it's looking for this publisher and it's looking for these types of media. But we track at a, at a more granular level. We look at the contextual signals that come in. We look at the performance of even the ad unit on the page or from the mobile device and say, you know what, based on the history of this particular piece of media in this particular environment, it may or may not meet the KPIs of some of these deals. So we may choose to not send that out for bid for that particular deal if it's not going to perform. So in a way, it's servicing publisher and the buyer, like opening up inventory for the publisher that, that might otherwise be assigned to a, a buyer that's not going to get the performance they're looking for out of it. So really just trying to optimize for both sides of the equation. Do you have any examples of those contextual signals? Um, think about like your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long are you lingering on an ad unit? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the tilt of your phone? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Browser behavior, like online browser. What operating system are you on? Ad units placement above the fold, below the fold. Where is it at most of the time? You know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. We track a lot of things that would typically be tracked and pinned against the user. Mm-hmm. But as we are approaching a, a less user-oriented paradigm in advertising, we are pinning those features, activities against the ads mm-hmm. in that context, in that environment. Not, it's like not audience targeting in the traditional sense. It's audience targeting based on the publisher's what they're set up and what the user's doing in that space. Okay. And what about the challenges that your customers face? What do they go through? How are you solving their problems? Right. At the macro level, uh, increased fragmentation. We talk about the five screens, uh, or we used to. I mm-hmm. don't know if those conversations are still going on. So one of the big challenges is, is fragmentation of the audience. If buyers increasingly have to spread their nets wider and get to the audience they're trying to address. And single channel publishers are really going to have going to struggle. They've, they've got their eggs in one basket. So, you know, those are the macro challenges. Some of the smaller challenges, more tactical challenges, you know, privacy compliance, things of that nature, limiting your access to, to intelligence, all these types of market forces that are sort of building the walls around the walled gardens, potentially. So a lot of that, and to bring up walled gardens, you know, a lot of audiences I'm going to say it's Facebook, right? A lot of it's sitting inside of Facebook. A lot of it's sitting inside of app. There, There's these very high walls, high bars to get in front of the audience as a marketer that you need. And as a publisher, you're losing market share. You look at things like Australia implementing their law to make uh, Google and Facebook pay for news. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's like astonishing that, that it's addressed at two specific companies. Says you guys are crushing the open media business in our country and we need that to to be undone. We need more diversity of media, not this consolidation. Right. And so can you explain to me a little bit more on how Yieldmo is solving these macro and micro level challenges? You know, from the privacy compliance, let's start there. That's that's a bit of an easier grab right. one to grasp. We've done a lot of work. Yieldmo's business is, is at its core not built on sort of the maligned phrase of surveillance marketing. Our strong suit is performance and and monetization on contextual signals that are not pinned to that user identity or user behavior. So that's that's thing one. The other thing is we're we're prepping for that sort of post cookie world. Everybody's sort of getting into uh, hitching their wagon to those horses of what we're going to do in the post cookie world. Some people don't even believe that it's going to happen, but I'm fairly confident that the folks at Google will do it. So we're we're prepping our our customers for that looking at the alternative identifiers, looking at how those 
jive with compliance regulations coming in. You've got stuff in the U.S. now that's coming online in, on January 1. So a lot of that, looking at identity, doing all those things in a privacy compliant way, making sure that everybody's got the visibility that they're legally allowed to, that is still respecting privacy, but then also bringing context to bear against the market and getting performance out of that, those contextual signals, where most, most of the time, the legacy systems are, are really reliant upon the audience to do that. So we have our own conversation that is not audience-based, which is really resonating. And it's really quite a solid foundation. Even this year, we're seeing really good performance out of that, those types of uh, deals that flow through our system. I think as a user, I'm interested to see how companies are going to be able to monetize with contextual signals going forward. Because like you mentioned with those five screens, like when I'm watching anything online, sometimes if I'm using a free service that has ads, sometimes I'll get advertisements that have nothing to do with what I'm watching or my experience and it's jarring and disruptive. Mm -hmm. So it's very clear that at least right now there's a lack of use of contextual signals. So I'm interested to see where it's going to take us moving forward in the future. Right. And you've, you, you brought up uh, this, this context. There's, there's sort of in, in Yieldmo's world, there are two types of context. One is what is the user doing, how they're interacting, what do those signals look like against that media, against that ad unit. And the one that, you, that you're referring to here is what is the actual media that they're looking mm -hmm. at? What are those contextual signals? And you're absolutely right. Most of the ads are not relevant to that context unless they're like a direct spot buy. Generally, that's not programmatic. There's poor signal quality going through the midstream right now with context. Most companies that have a contextual product where they say, I will get you sports or I will get you automotive, they're taking the domain, the whole domain and saying, this domain is sports. This domain is automotive. And that's not granular. If you're a news publication or if you're like a massive publisher that's got disparate content, think of a Yahoo or think of a CNN, they have sports sections specifically, or their top story might be about sports. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're targeting like CNN, oh, news, well, you're missing an opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's a whole swath of campaigns that might want to target sports, but not necessarily news. And they're missing out on CNN sporting content. And they're missing out on Yahoo sporting content. Maybe they, they see Yahoo as entertainment, which is what kind of it was historically. Even at Yieldmo, we went down and we did the work of mm -hmm. Taking page by page, running it through contextual analysis, incorporating mm -hmm. that into our targeting capabilities. So if you actually mm -hmm. did want to get that granular, spread your deal across publishers. Because the other problem with these contextual targeting is that reach. If you're just buying sports, you're getting the, the major sports site, but you're missing out on a bunch of casual sports folks who don't go to SI.com. Right. Well, don't go to the to, to Bleacher Report or whatever. You know, they're going to... I'm, Picking on CNN here, but <laughs> which owns Bleacher Report, I believe. So picking on them twice. But, you know, you're missing out on a, on a bunch of users who are maybe more casual in their sports content consumption because because you're, you're using this, these blunt targeting criteria that, that don't, you know, and it's foundational. Uh, to some to some systems out there. Yeah, as you can hear, I'm I'm a very much a systems guy. I'm a product guy. I'm like down in the weeds and the nitty gritty. I know how this stuff works. And Yield knows doing it differently, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons I like every day I show up to work. I'm, I'm Incredibly excited to be here. This is like a, a second honeymoon. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I'd say the first honeymoon was like when I was at Rubicon. The folks at home can't see this, but I'm wearing a Rubicon sweatshirt. I still have tons of swag from them. But this is like another one of those experiences where it's, oh, we have an opportunity here to really conquer this segment of the market, to really build some really cool tech with a really, really awesome team. 
a bit of a fanboy of, of my own company. And this, this is a year on. So the, the honeymoon should be over, but I'm not feeling it. No, I love that. I mean, everyone should have that honeymoon moment with their company. So I'm interested to learn what Yield Mode does in terms of monitoring and measuring the success of your customers. Yeah. The, the obvious answer is KPI, right? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the KPI of this campaign? Is it the ability, the completion rate, reach frequency, you know, the foundational ones? Uh, honestly, if they, they come back and book more business with us, that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that. So that's a good measure of success. We're telling a good story in the market and we've got our publisher partners are having a, a good story with us as well. So we've got, we look at a lot of external measurements to see company performance. There's, there's a particular, one of our goals was to get on a particular ranking in a particular company measurement. And we actually achieved it this year, which is, which was great. So measuring our own success, we're feeling pretty confident right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the customers, you know, bottom line for media owners is, is the dollar. So if we mm-hmm. can provide dollars, if we can provide a greater share of dollars. You know, we can do that in two ways. We can do it with the smart tech that we've got that is very granular in nature, that, that finds the right opportunity for the right advertiser, or we can go with the bulk way. Mm-hmm. And the bulk way is solved. So I don't, I'm not interested in solving a solved problem in the market. I'm interested in growing a business that solves it in a different way, a smarter way, dare I say, a more efficient way. And that's really the success that, that we're looking for. Right. And so I think in a previous conversation, we were talking about lead indicators per campaign. You may have mentioned one, but typically when you're talking about KPIs for a particular campaign, are there like specific KPIs that you're looking for? Does it vary per campaign? Totally does. You know, lead indicators that are going to yield performance, right? So that's things like viewability, video completion, you know, the the clicks, what the placement is. There's going to vary by customer. You know, it's going to vary by the deal. I think at, a, at the core level, everybody wants high rates of all these things, but your high click rate doesn't necessarily translate to high conversion rate on the other end. It doesn't translate to sales all the time. So you really got to keep an eye out for those fraudulent clicks or the dreaded MFAs uh, sites out there that made for advertising sites out there. Uh, and <laughs> it's funny with, with the industry pressure on that. So we've seen some of the made for advertising sites actually turn into legitimate publishers <laughs> because they're trying to break into business, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to make money and break into the business and they're, they're trying to improve their product just like anybody else. Some of them, it's just a grab for, for money and whatnot. But, but a lot of them, uh, they're, just, they're just trying to do it the old-fashioned way of buy traffic until you make it organically kind of a thing. But we want to draw a distinction there. If the customer is not just looking for raw clicks, they're actually looking for value. If that buyer is looking for value, we're going to look at those lead indicators in, in the context of quality. And we do a lot internally to measure inventory quality and that's one of our core systems is to, to really look and say, is this going to perform for this buyer? And before it does the pairing up of the opportunity with that buyer, tons of machine learning around that and whatnot, lots of control experiments, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, lead indicators, always looking to find out what's performing and not just what's performing in mass, but what's performing for particular types of advertisers. One particular placement might have a great click-through and conversion rate for automotive buyers, but terrible for financial industry buyers. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that distinction. Just don't just want to send your high VCR stuff that's, you know, in aggregate. It's not always going to perform for every customer. So we, we do a lot of digging in the system. There's a, the signal processing is ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. just, there's, a, there's a whole team that does that. Not what my brain worries itself with for the most part. <laughs> so like when on the buy side, when you're like, let's say for PMPs, then when you're trying to put these deals together, 
Is there something that publishers can give advertisers, maybe through the bitstream? Like, is there something that publishers can compile and give to help buyers make better decisions or sweeten the pot? Is there something that you've noticed that publishers can start looking into when it comes to their own audience insights? So publishers are are increasingly adopting and paying proper attention, I would say, to their audience Mm -hmm. and really making efforts to understand that audience, to understand the segments. There's a, there are a lot of vendors out there who are helping publishers understand their audience. I think I was working with a couple in my last life, like a Blue Conic and a segment that are just really trying to help publishers round out, understand their audience, and then find at the macro level, find the right buyers for that audience mm-hmm. to attract the right, like have a, have a better story to tell. If you're, if you're going to a pitch as a publisher, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that definitely helps. And then on the mechanical level, it's, it's not terribly difficult to have publisher-based deals where they're, you're relying on their audience that they have sold their customer, or you're augmenting that information with the technology that we have and looking at the context as well. That's a great start. And then offering, if, if you've got particular buyers that you want to offer discounts to, there's a, there's a few mechanisms to make that happen mm-hmm. uh, in the market, right? That are being, being leveraged. You know, the, the most obvious is like ha- having prioritized access through pre-bid to, to do a little inside baseball, depending on your audience. They may or may not quite understand all of the nuances of that, but you can give preferential treatment to a particular buy that might not have a high CPM, but it might have a commit. Mm-hmm. For or buying a particular audience that you that you have really curated for that buyer, and it's not really going to impact the rest of the buys going on in your system, so you can give it at a, at a discount or a premium, depending on on your relationship with the buyer. So it's it's really we're in in twenty twenty three on the yieldmo side, you're going to see a lot more tools brought to bear in this area to really facilitate that stronger relationship. A stronger direct relationship with buy, between buyers and sellers and giving them the tools they need to execute these types of campaigns through the programmatic pipes that we have. Hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you're talking about these particular audiences, you're, are you talking about a publisher's addressable audience or who they already know? For the most part, yes. And, and this is an area that publishers, uh, an area of focus that, that should be um, for the next two, three years is really getting in touch with the audience that they have, and especially that enthusiastic audience, the, the really committed audience. There's always a, a, a subgroup of, of folks that are enthusiasts of a particular publisher. You know, obviously, like publishers like Reddit enjoy quite a lot of enthusiasm. Facebook, maybe not as much, but there are enthusiastic Facebook users out there. Uh, Twitter, lots of enthusiasm around Twitter on both sides of love it or hate it. Every publisher has that type of audience. And really getting to know them is important. And when I say get to know them, get them involved give them surveys, really understand them. And when you're asking those questions, obviously the obvious driver for a publisher is to bridge that gap of, I want to know my audience, but I want to know my audience in the context of who might likely buy it. So when I'm asking questions, ask questions that if they're affirmative or whatever it is, like what kinds of cars do you like? That's a signal, right? What, <laughs> what kind of sports do you like? And they don't have to be like, what's your household income, all these box standards, like interests more, more than other, anything else. Because what you can do with that audience, you can take that audience and you can work with partners and say, this is my seed for campaign that I'm selling to, to so-and-so, right? And this is the seed audience that I know about that is signaled strongly that the, the resonate with the buyer that I'm, that I'm courting. That becomes the seed technology, like what Yieldmo offers can, can expand on that seed. 
right? And say, okay, let's take the seed that you have and expand that to the not addressable space. We, because the, the publisher's got a close relationship with those users, they have, the users have an understanding of, ideally the publisher has made an agreement on the site that, look, we're, we want to track you. So they'll track those users, find out where they go, find out what their interests are, both explicitly that they have said or answered in a survey and implicitly what they're reading on the site or what they're reading on, on, the, on the web. Take that and you can retarget that even in non-addressable space. So when knowing nothing, rather than target the actual audience, you try to expand to a lookalike audience using audience data. Like, mm -hmm. oh, these, this audience, my audience fits into these categories. I'm going to go use other data by other uses in these categories, just by the context. And again, that's moving, moving to a more privacy friendly where you've got an agreement with your seed audience that, yeah, they're okay being tracked, maybe even incentivize them. It doesn't matter. It's okay to incentivize them. Go do it. You get premium content if you let me track. That's a value exchange. That's how the free web operates anyway. Mm -hmm. So then you, you understand them, and then you can do the lookalike of targeting where they go. And that makes it much more resilient to any privacy regulation, any privacy technology by the platform, by the Safaris and the Chromes and the whatever other browsers, Androids and, and, and iOSs. It's much more robust against any of those barriers. Right? It is a privacy-friendly way to expand that audience. So it's effectively an exercise that publishers should be engaging with right now if they haven't already, just to compile that information and expand their reach of their seed audience before like their bread cookies go away and then suddenly most of the audience becomes non-addressable. Well, that's the beauty of it being a publisher's audience mm -hmm. because it is in a first-party context. With that permission, at the very least, you can observe them on, on your site. But then, so, but you have two tools in here, right? You can... You can observe them on your site to try to see what they're interested in, or you could straight up give them a survey. What are you interested in? Mm -hmm. My seat audience, what are you interested in? And then you can translate that into, say, IAB contextual categories. And then that becomes where the rest of the campaign prospects for additional, additional audience. Mm -hmm. And to clarify, your seed audience, that's the audience that really, those are your, your best performers or the people who really engage the most with your media. The people who engage the most generally, um, they're yeah. going to be, because they're going to appreciate your, your offering. They're going to appreciate that, hey, I'm going to give you a special icon when you comment on the website because you're so engaged or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's, it's any kind of any kind of incentive. Um, mm -hmm. So long as it resonates with the user and so long as there's a proper value exchange, so long as the, the, the audience, the person reading the page is getting, quote unquote, compensated for the additional, uh, what do you call it, interrogation of their behavior. Yeah, and no, all that makes sense. I know we we sort of started with trying to learn about what are some key success like performance indicators, but I think a good takeaway from this is really just getting a head start and like building out that value exchange with your audience and try to compile those indicators on your own as much as possible, especially now given the kind of world we live in and where we're going. Uh, speaking of which, I'm interested to know, aside from third-party cookies, is there something else, even if it's the same things, but something that's happening in ad tech right now that you think publishers should be paying attention to? So many not addressable, huge, regulation, huge, what the platforms are doing, huge. But if you look back at some of the, the, the fundamentals, right, the, the quick buck is mm -hmm. probably the most dangerous pattern to, to get into as a publisher. So there's work to be done to understand the lifetime value of a subscriber or a, a user of, 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 your, of your media. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you don't have that metric, you're not taking a long view of your business as mm -hmm. a media owner. Mm -hmm. And you need to, you absolutely need to. You need to establish trust with, with your users, with your audience, 
And because that makes it easier to, to have them share with you. You've seen what happens when trust gets violated. You saw this happened at, at Twitter, right? People were leaving or threatening to leave in droves mm-hmm. because of all the rapid fire changes that were going on in the recent weeks. And so there's a breach of trust there. Mm-hmm. That, that is the casualty is that you're going to lose audience if you breach that trust. So really establishing that, maintaining that, you know, guarding it. That's your, you know, it's like a, it's like a tree. You're growing a tree. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not growing an annual crop. You're growing a forest there and you really need to be careful. You don't want to burn it down because it, it just takes one mistake or, or several dozen if you're Twitter. No, that's that's fair. Uh, on the note of revenue, let's talk about the little more. What are some short and long term opportunities that you think publishers should be focusing on to drive revenue growth? Right. So forming a not addressable strategy. Um, it's going to happen. Uh, the cookies. I'm going on record. I'm on a podcast. I'm going on record. Third party cookies in Chrome are going to go away. So a not addressable strategy is, is critically important. And I got to say, the industry by and large, is, is still not there. Mm-hmm. I look at things like um, these alternative identifiers. Is there media being bought against them? That's just beginning. Uh, the third, third party identifiers are just getting some traction in terms of, of media deals, um, which is great. That needs to happen. But the, the buyers, you know, you talk to the agencies, most of the core buyers are still buying on the cookie, on the IDs. And they're, mm-hmm. they're just, they're ignoring, you know, GDPR equals no. Okay, we're not buying that. Browser doesn't have a cookie. We're not buying that. But we all need to make the investment, including the publisher. So not addressable and addressable solutions that work together, that that needs to happen. And there's sort of two things to consider when when you're working on that. You don't want to you don't want to violate the law, right? So <laughs> regulations, there's there's five new new ones coming in the US starting January 1. You got you have to you have to you have to. There's no logic to put yourself at that much risk. So obviously obey the law in the region, but that doesn't mean you can't do business there. Mm-hmm. Uh, GDPR for a while muted business in, in Europe, but I think it's, it's, it's back to growing again. Mm-hmm. So for now, I think we've, we've got a handle on it. Uh, the other thing is keep an eye on the platforms. And this is always, you know, this is again, inside baseball. Platforms, and by platforms, I mean like your Androids, your iOSs, your Safaris, your Chromes, right? Keep an eye on what those folks are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google and Apple are in interesting places, let's say. Apple is trying to be privacy first. A lot of folks think that they are sort of slow rolling their advertising business. Um, I think recently Tim Cook has gone on record saying he's not at all interested in monetizing his user base in that way. He'd rather sell their products and services directly. So that's one thing, but they do have an advertising business. They are a media company. They've got their own streaming service. Whether Tim is thinking about it or not, at some point, even Netflix is is moving to a a two-tiered system. Right. At some point, we will see ads on Apple TV+. Mm-hmm. And not, it's not going to be driven by market forces that, oh, we must reach this audience. It's going to be driven by the user, the consumer that buying the Apple TV that says, boy, I sure wish I had this at half price. Um, so it's, it's going to come in different ways and it's, it's not necessarily malicious with mm-hmm. what they're doing. Um, so that's side one. The other side is, you know, keep an eye on what Google's doing. I think Google has a tough road to hoe. Uh, they're threading the needle with owning a browser and the biggest advertising platform in the universe. Uh, you know, 
the the regulatory scrutiny that they are receiving in Europe is unprecedented for an advertising company. It is an interesting thing. So, and they they have to do it. They they will have to follow through in in dropping that third party could. So again, reinforcing the notion: have a non-addressable strategy. Right. Work with your partners. Make this one of your tent pull initiatives for the next two or three years. Because if you don't, you're going to be playing catch up when it happens. Mm-hmm. Dollars are going to dry up, and your revenue is going to be pumped. So you have to have to have to have a non-addressable strategy. Yeah, and I think that basically hinges on forming a value exchange with your users. If anything, the the one thing that someone should take away from this podcast is really don't wait for one universal ID solution to finally say like, yeah, this is what's going to solve things when the third party cookie finally goes away. Like, Don't wait for someone to solve your problem. Get started on building that value exchange with your users now so you can convert as much of your potentially, not just your non-addressable audience, but like really just expand that seed audience that we were talking about as much as possible. Get as many contextual signals as you can. So when third party cookies eventually go because I agree with you. They're definitely going away. I know people have kind of put them away to a side, but they're definitely going away. So really just focusing on what you can right now within what's in your control is probably the most important thing that I think a listener can take out of this conversation. So on that note, with those takeaways, I'm interested to learn just before we wrap up, is there one last thing about yield mode that you want to tell to our audience? One last thing to to leave with them. (laughs) Oh, I mean, other than we're going to help people solve all the problems we just laid out in this podcast. You know, it's it's not, this is where what we think. This is what we focus on. We mm-hmm. are squarely staring down the face of non-addressable future. Mm-hmm. Our entire strategy is wrapped up in that notion. It doesn't mean we're ignoring the, the here and now. We've got solutions for today. Identity and all that. We're, we're doing our best to make sure that if the user's identifiable, allowed to be identified, regulatory, whatever, we're using the tools in hand. But we are not driving in that direction from a strategy standpoint. We're definitely moving and driving toward non-addressable, definitely driving toward that sort of seed expansion component, the, the subset of users that are, that are your enthusiasts, whether you're a buyer or so, to come into our platform and be able to expand on that and be able to continue to do business, be able to continue to monetize for the publishers, find the right audience for the buyers. That makes perfect sense. And on that note, I just want to say thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today and for our listeners for tuning in. We hope that you guys learned something new and useful that you can apply to your own business. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to Slice of Ad Tech on Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you know someone who you'd love to hear from or think is a great fit for our next episode, send your suggestions to marketing at blockfood.com or just say hi. We love hearing from you. This is Nira and I'll see you next time.